kids, grandkids. Spent the day over there. It was wonderful. Had a good Christmas Eve service, too. I hope you guys were all here. The ones that were here, it was pretty good service. Saved a bunch of souls that night, too. Couldn't ask for anything better than that. So let's stand and sing. are singing good today. I can hear them. I've heard several people say they love this song. It means a lot of things to a lot of different people, but anytime I hear it, I think of my mommy singing to me when I was a little boy, putting, trying to get me to go to bed, or at least shut up. But anyway, <laughs> that's what I think of. <laughs> Sting, Paul. <laughs> One.
You may be seated. Forget something? Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I did forget something. <laughs> Glad my head's attached most of the time. <laughs> Good to see you all. It's a, it's a great morning. It's a great morning. And uh, we got a lot of folks who are sick, a lot of folks who've been traveling for the holidays, and, um, but I'm so thankful to see all of you that are, are here and healthy and semi-healthy, some of us, and, uh, and here to, um, to worship God in spirit and in truth. And I uh, got just a few announcements. One was uh, Andy wanted us to, to know, where to, right next to my heart, oh, here it is, <laughs> all you remember hee-haw, <laughs> is... Uh, here it is. The annual meeting that we have will be in two weeks, two weeks from today. Uh, we have to announce it for a couple weeks, um, but we have the annual meeting coming up. Uh, please lift everybody up in prayer that's on our list and everybody that you don't see here today. I um, called a few people and some's still not doing real good and uh, I don't want to mention names because I'm going to leave somebody out and I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, he didn't. He didn't remember me, so I remember all of you each week and as I go through the prayers and go through everything. And um, so as we get ready to begin a new year that's going to be coming up, see, I was, I was just so excited about today, I didn't even write the Berean chapters down. Here's, here's the three that you need to know about, three chapters. Today we're going to be mainly in two of them. And if you want to turn there to the first one, it'll be Luke chapter or, or Mark chapter two, Mark chapter two, and it's also in Luke five, and in Matthew nine, and a little later we'll be in Matthew nine, and we're going to put a new spin on an old story. It's it's really the spin that was there all along. Just I think it got overlooked somewhere along the last couple thousand years. But Jesus is going to give us a, a great, great message. And, uh, and as we begin, I just, want to, I just want to settle in and I want to say, Lord worked on my heart this week with this. And I, I pray that the Holy Spirit will reveal it and make it understood to all of you. Because what this is, is, is this is the character of God. And the character of Jesus. And it's, it's a special, special thing. And it's going to be continued next week also. Um, on the love and the character and the forgiveness of God. So uh, we're going to do our prayer after we get into it for a minute. But as we look forward from Christmas is over now. We look forward to the new year. I hope this will be the year that we fulfill that mission of Jesus Christ, which is he came in Matthew 18, he said, to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know, that's our mission as well as the ambassadors for Christ is to take that message out there, the things that we're going to hear today, and to go and to seek and to save those that do not know about Jesus, the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And you know, but for such a simple mission statement... Such a simple statement of Jesus is the Son of God and he came and died for you in your sins. 
Do you know it gets awful complicated trying to talk with people about that? As we, as we discuss that with them, you get a lot of different replies, but it's because people have some preconceived ideas within themselves. Let me give you a couple as you talk with them. Oh, yeah, but he, he doesn't know me. I've done too much. It's way too much. There's never going to be a chance that he would forgive me. Or you get the exact opposite of those who are kind of self-righteous where they think, hey, I'm good, I'm all right. I don't have to go through all of that. I, I'm good the way I am. I don't know how many times I've talked to folks and that's what you hear. I want us to throw all of those preconceived out because everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs to, to know and to learn about that. And uh, I remember that those are the two kind of people who was there when Jesus talked about the guy who was praying, the, tax, uh, the Pharisee and the tax collector were there. And you remember that story where the Pharisee is standing there and he's going, Father, I'm thankful that I'm not like that tax collector over there and I do this and that and this and that. That's the one side. The other side is that, is that tax collector who's beating on his chest and saying, Lord, I'm, I'm a sinner. I hope that you can, I hope you can do something with this mess that I am. And that's the two extremes and everybody falls in, in between that. But our goal this year is to take the message of Christ to everybody and to seek and to save that which is lost. And you know, I truly feel sorry for, this, for the ones that are self-righteous and think that they don't need anything because they got the tougher road to hoe, really. It's the folks who realize where they're at, like the tax collector was, who are, are the ones that are more receptive to that. Look at what Jesus said. Whenever he was talking about the Beatitudes, and I got a precious brother who calls them the blessed attitudes, but he says this, you know, Jesus said to us, he said, blessed are those who are poor in spirit. You know what that means? That's they really realize who they are and that they need forgiveness. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn over their condition. Those who realize that they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who now, who realize all this, begin to hunger and thirst after righteousness because they're going to be the ones who get filled. Blessed are those who are merciful to others because you're going to get that mercy delivered back to you. Blessed are the pure in heart. They shall see God. And here's the tough one. Don't worry about those who try to speak evil of you. Don't worry about those who, who take advantage of you rejoice for my sake and be exceedingly glad because your reward is great within heaven. You know why? It don't matter what anyone else thinks. It only matters about what he thinks and your relationship there. That's what matters. Don't worry about what the others are thinking. And you know what? We're going to see in this section of scripture today all of these things unfolded before us. And as we do, I hope and pray that, that we will be able to see the true heart and the true character of God. You know, the writer of the book of Hebrews put it like this. Now, I want you to really listen and see this. 
Hebrews chapter 1, as they begin that book to those people, the writer says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, he has in these last days spoken to us by who? His son. And you know what his son did to be able to speak to us with? Look at the next verse. Whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he made the worlds. And then he says this in verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, he upholds all things by the word of his power. He purged our sins and then sat down on the right hand of glory with the Father. But what I want you to see is the middle of that verse. Because that middle of that verse says that Jesus is the express image of the Father. You know what that means? If you see him, you see God. He, it's like looking into a mirror. He is the image, the express image of the Father. So when he came to earth and he interacted with mankind, he was bringing the image and the glory of the Father to us to understand what God is like. So as we see Jesus interacting with people, we see the true character and image of God. And that's what I hope that we see today. So I'm going to ask us now to bow in prayer as we begin to unfold this story. And Father, we thank you for Jesus and that he is the express image of you. And Father, I just pray that your word will explode today in the hearts and minds of everyone. And that as we go through this, your character is revealed. May we latch on to that character and take it with us when we leave here. And may it be a part of our very being every day of our life. I pray this truth, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, turn there with me then, if you would, to Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, is where we're going to be. Like I said, this is also in Matthew 9 and Luke 5. It's, this is so important that it was written in three of the gospel accounts for us. And it's going to be a terrific reflection of the character of God. Verse 1, talking about Jesus, he entered to Capernaum after some days and it was heard that he was in the house. And immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door of the house. And he preached the word to them. He was giving them the gospel. And they came to him. There was one that came bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken through, they let down the bed and the paralytic was lying on. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven thee. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately... Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned within themselves like this. And he said, why do you reason 
these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he turns and says to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. And immediately he arose, he took up the bed, and he went out in the presence of them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God. And they said, we have never seen anything like this. Now, you know, in my notes, I keep going on, and it, it goes on to the, to the next verses here about Levi, the tax collector, and how that Jesus is going to, to leave from there and he's going to pass through and he's going to go to that tax office and he's going to say to Levi, follow me. And Levi is going to follow him. You know, that's the story I was supposed to tell this week. That's what I was working on today. But whenever I started at the top to get the context, evidently what was meant was to teach on that top context. Next week, we're going to talk about Levi and how great, because here's the story. The first part is saying that I have authority over the forgiveness of sins. And the next part of the story is I'm even going to show you the depths of that because the tax collectors and sinners that's mentioned there were the worst of society. They were the outcast and the ones that people looked down upon the most. And Jesus wants us to know the heart and character of God is, yeah, follow me. I'm going to take you. And I am going to make you an apostle and a writer of a gospel. Now that is the heart and the character of God. We will get to that next week. But for this week, back up there in verse 3 of our text. Jesus is in the house and he's preaching that gospel message to him. And people start surrounding the house they, so much that there's not, not more than standing room only. You can't even stand in. You're around the house. And the reason being is in chapter 1, he's went around and he's been healing people. He just, get this, in chapter 1, he threw a demon out of a guy in church. <laughs> and that word spread around. And then he even healed a leper. And so people want to see this Jesus who is something so different. And they're all gathered around and they stand there. But now we've got these others that are bringing someone who needs the touch of the master. They need to see Jesus himself. And they bring a paralytic on a bed. Four of them are carrying him to where it is. And they get there and it says that they can't even get close because everything is around the house. Now, what I want us to understand is, is you know how Jesus used like parables when he taught at times and how that physical things like a farmer going out and sowing seeds represented a spiritual thing of the word of God to the hearts of people. Well, what we have here in this is the same type of thing. We're going to see a physical picture that has a spiritual meaning behind it. And when we realize that and we start seeing the words that Jesus used, this is going to explode upon us in our understanding. Because first of all, you've got a man who is a paralytic. And that word means somebody who's got condition with their muscles and their nerves that they are not able to have the strength to support themselves to stand up. They have lost the strength 
and support to take care of themselves and to get up. And so they've got some friends, four very good friends, that sees this condition and they want to help. So they say that the help is with Jesus and they put him up on that stretcher and they begin to carry him there. I want to thank God for friends or relatives like that. It doesn't say whether it was a relative or friend. It says four of them carried him there. Praise God for family members and for friends that when they see you in a condition that needs God, that they will carry you and bring you there to be with him so that you can learn what you need. And so they bring him on that stretcher and physically carry him there. And it, they get there and there's always a roadblock, isn't there? There's always some, something trying to stand in the way of you getting them to Jesus. So it's all surrounded. So they get creative. Sometimes you got to do that. They said, we're going to break through the roof. Now, I don't know whose house it was that they're at. <laughs> I really wouldn't want someone breaking right through the roof of my house and then having to repair that. But you know what? If it's going to save some souls, I guess it's worth it, isn't it? These folks says, it's worth it. We'll, we'll take care of it later probably. But they tear apart the roof. And they start to lower this guy down. And I know that Jesus... Setting in their teaching has to hear the commotion going on. And I'm figuring most of these roofs was made of dirt and mud and grass and things. I'm sure that some of that stuff was falling down around and it's like, what's going on? And then he sees this bed drop down with this one on it. And then he looks up and sees the four that have lowered it down. And he says something remarkable. He sees their faith and he turns to the paralytic on the pallet and he said son the sins of you are forgiven your sins are forgiven now before we get too far along in this did anyone see or read or hear anyone asking for forgiveness of sins no that's where it starts getting cool. This is where this thing starts to explode because when it says that Jesus saw the faith, it means he understood everything. It's a word where we get the word horizon. It's horao. And it means that you can scan and see everything. You know, there's another word for seeing. It's called blepo, which is like the blip that we call on a radar screen, something small and quick, and you don't really get a full picture. This is the word for the full picture of perceiving and understanding what's going on. Jesus, as they're dropping that and opening that, he's, he understands fully the picture. The picture is not that the man can't walk and get up off of there. The picture is, is he's got a spiritual problem that's holding him down. And he figures that out and he says to the man, I would have said, can you heal him and get him to walk? Jesus turns and looks at the man knowing the situation and said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. Wow. Then he says, it's, it means to stare at and to understand with the mind and to discern spiritually what's going on. And he knew that the problem of this guy was that he couldn't forgive himself. He was allowing 
the things of his past or the things that people would say to haunt him and to cripple him, to paralyze him in such a way that he backs into a corner, lays on his bed, and he doesn't want to go out and face the world. And he becomes weakened from doing that and now has gotten himself into a state to where he just lays there on the bed. That's what's going on. And Jesus says to him and diagnoses the problem when he hurrahs the situation. And he said, son, your sins are forgiven you. Son is a word that means child that is fully dependent upon the father to take care of him. It's one that can't take care of themselves on their own. And so he is now telling him, in, in your spiritual condition, you're not able to handle this on your own, so I'm telling you, my father's already taken care of your problem. The father, child, has taken care of it. Your sins are forgiven you. There's nothing that we can do about that. It was in his hands anyway, wasn't it? That's why Jesus came. That's why we got that Christmas gift of his son. But he says, quit allowing that to paralyze your life. Now, if, you, if you've got your Bibles, turn over to Matthew 9. Because Matthew leaves out the part about some of the roof and things. And he, he, but he adds some other things that we need to get into now. So Matthew 9 for a second. We're going to switch over to there. And in verse 2, it begins to say this. When Jesus saw their faith, notice, he wasn't looking at the paralytic. He was looking at the four who was up on the roof dropping through. He saw their faith. Their faith in what? Of God healing sin. Of God healing your condition. They've been trying to get this friend or relative of theirs to understand this for so long. They said, we've got to take him there. So maybe he can convince him of this. And when Jesus saw their faith is when he turned to the paralytic and said that about your sins are forgiven you. Now, next he says, so be of good cheer. <laughs> really? Let me ask you something. If you go into the uh, hospital room and, and they're laying there a paralytic and they can't move, is the thing that you really want to say to them, put on a happy face. <laughs> put on your happy face. It's okay. No. The sorrow is a word, and what it means starts to explode this story in our minds. What it means is, to be strengthened inwardly and to be bolstered. I had to look that word up. That means supported. And the illustration that they used in Wikipedia was one of those strong, it was soft yet firm pillow that would support your head or body. But it's a soft support, not a rugged support. Because you can have a support like when you're building a house and you nail those two by fours to help hold it up. That's a solid support, but that's a little painful getting that nailed to you. This one, it's, it, the word means a soft support mentally within your mind. That's what he says here. It says, this is what it says, to be emboldened within, boistered, supported, and gain courage and confidence in yourself. It is an inner attitude that is now unafraid. 
And now, now listen, it actually says this in that definition box. You're able to have social boldness because of the persuasion of your inner confidence. What it means is, is when you finally realize that God has already handled the situation and the problem and you've been forgiven of everything, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You now face the social world. Get up off of your pallet and enjoy life and get to moving because you now know the truth. And the truth is setting you free from that bondage that's holding you down. And you can get up and take your mat and walk. Because he has strengthened you. And you need to put this in your mind. Believe it and get up. And that's what Jesus is telling him. Be strengthened. Not, not put on a happy face. But some of your versions say be of good courage. And that's trying to get to the idea of it get courage within your mental scope and frame of reference of who you are now in christ and get out there and enjoy life and quit letting it drag you down be strengthened within yourself jesus said get up because god now listen he's already this is him now talking to the paralytic be strong be encouraged within yourself and get up is what he said to him because God has already forgiven you and that's the exact wording in the Greek I looked up 15 translations because I was looking in there in the original 15 translations didn't have it right it just says take up your bed and walk it says your sins are forgiven but no Young's literal translation literal by the way it's the only one that had it nailed perfectly. And he said, son, your sins have already been forgiven. Past tense. They've already been done. So get up. Get walking. Take care of this. And then he says this. Um, the father has already taken care of it, my child. So now you can be of good courage. And don't worry one whit about what anyone else thinks or says. And you know what? Those naysayers are going to come into the picture right now. They're always there to try to bring you down. And so the first thing that happens is when Jesus puts this out and tells him, what's it say in the next verse? There were some scribes and Pharisees standing around. And they're going to stay around there and they're going to say, this man blasphemies. He's a liar. Do you think their opinion mattered to Jesus? So should it matter to you? No. He said, they are calling him a blasphemer, the son of God. But it says, Jesus, having known their thoughts. You see, Jesus is also God. And he knew what they were thinking with inside of them. And so he brings this out and he says, why think you evil of this in your hearts? You see, which one was evil? The self-righteous and the ones who try to bring you down. They're the ones who are evil and in the wrong. And he says, why do you think this in your hearts? And then he asks him a question. Is it easier to, for the son of man to say, and that's the title of messiahship. He said, I'm, I am God. And is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or arise and walk? Well, in their mind, it was arise and walk. Why? Because you still got people today in some places who try to 
take your confession and then tell you your sins are forgiven now, right? That's only, that really is only God's thing. But do you think those same people that tell you your sins are forgiven you would come up to someone on, a, on the paralytic bed and say, get up and walk? Nope, because they don't, they don't got that kind of power. They don't have the other one either. So what, you know what's really the most toughest? So they think the toughest is to say to rise and walk, but the toughest is to say that your sins are forgiven. For Jesus to heal someone, it takes a word, and they do it, and they don't even have to believe it or not. It can happen. But for your sins to forgive, and how tough was that? He had to come in the flesh, he has to die on the cross for our sins. And for your sins to be forgiven, you've also had to have asked for that and to have repented. And that's why this story goes back to the man had already asked all of that and Jesus was telling him it's already been done. But the thing is, he was telling them the toughest part and they were thinking, well, if he really had that power, he, he don't have the power to tell him to rise and walk. He says, but so that you know, so that you will know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. I, even though I know that's the toughest thing, I'll, I'll please you. I'll go ahead and tell him to get up and walk too. So now Jesus turns around to the paralytic. Now I want you to look again. Again, that Young's literal translation is the only one that had it right. Because where it says, arise... Then it says, he turned and told him to arise and, and take up your mat and walk. And he arises and goes. No. The man has already stood up. It says, Jesus says to the paralytic who having already arisen. He's already arose because he's already understanding now that God has forgiven him. And my problem wasn't being paralyzed. My problem was what was holding me down mentally. And he's already got up. And Jesus says to him, who's already arisen, and he says, now get up and walk and go so that get on with your life. And that proved to everyone that he was God. And he said, get on with your life, be supported, know the truth, and get on with it and go and, and be of good cheer. And here's another place where that is so fantastic. When it says having arisen there at first, that the man already having arisen, you know what that word means? To wake up. To wake up and arise. Because next week we're going to see where Jesus tells Levi, follow me, and it says he arose and followed Jesus. That's a different word. That word means to arise as from the dead. Because he was dead man walking. He hadn't believed in Jesus as of yet until that very point. This word for arise is a word that means somebody wakes you up and you get up out of your bed and go. What Jesus is saying, the man got. Get those other thoughts out of your head. Wake up. It's time to wake up, snap out of it, and get moving on with your life. And so he looks and that's what happened. The man snapped out of it. He got up and he was moving on. He was already going on to his house. And that was in a command, folks. The Lord wants you to be so sure of what he's telling you. The command to go and get up and wake up was a command. 
snap out of it. Don't let the lies of the world bring you down any longer and put you on that bed. Get up, be gone, and move on with it. So, it's the same thing that Paul had to tell Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. For God has not given to you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and what? Sound mind. Amen. He has given you this. So it says that having arisen and woken up now with a sound mind and the realization that I am forgiven, I don't have to stay down there any longer. He got up and he departed to his house and the multitude saw it and they praised God and they gave him the glory and the honor for what he had done. And just in case you have second thoughts that that's still not me, like I said, next week we're going to talk about Levi. The worst of the worst. And he says, follow me because I am going to make you an example to everyone to read 2,000 years from now that I took the tax collector and sinners and I took them to be an apostle and a writer of one of my gospels. That is the heart of God. You see, as, as the worship team comes on up and we close this out, we started this today with Jesus, his life, his actions, and what he did is a mirror of God the Father. The reason he came was to die for sins and to show us God's character. And what God's character is, is he doesn't want us to be distraught over things. He wants us to have a sound mind. And to get out there and to enjoy life. He said, I come to bring you life and that more abundantly. And to quit allowing things to hold you down and to keep you in bondage. I have set you free from that. Jesus is showing the character of God and that love. Also in, in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says this. And you know, we talk about the promises of God. This is a promise. He says there that if you will confess your faults to me, to God, I am faithful and just to forgive you of those things, of those sins, and then to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And I was explaining to someone just uh, last night and today about what that means. And when it cleanses from all unrighteousness, when you've confessed the sin, that means the one that you knew and you asked, I've forgiven it, it's faithful and just. But when you cleanse from all unrighteousness, that means the things that you forgot to ask or the things that you don't even realize that you've done, I'm covering that too. Speaking of covering, before we close, I got one more slide. If you've not believed in Jesus Christ, God's Son who came to take away the sins. And you've not believed and been baptized into Christ. I want to show you what you're missing. It says in Galatians here, in chapter 3, verses 26 and 27, that in Christ Jesus, you all are now children of God. Remember what, remember what Jesus told him, child, son? You are children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have what? 
Do you know what that means? If I am clothed, do you see the real me? <laughs> it's hid, isn't it? Thank God it's hid underneath this stuff. When you believe in Jesus, you are clothed with Christ. What happened in the garden when man and woman ate of that fruit? They tried to what? And clothe themselves and hide and do something about it. But what we've learned today is you can't do that. It's the Father's business. And he came and did what? Took skins, made a sacrifice, took skins and clothed them. That's a symbol going forward of what Christ has done for us. And when it says you are clothed with Christ, when God looks down on you, what does he see? You or Christ? Christ. Because Christ now lives in me and I am clothed with him. And if you have not made that decision, you are standing there bare before they put the leaves on in the garden. But when you believe and you accept that Christmas gift that he gave to the world to die for those sins, and you give them to him, he clothes you with Christ. And now all he sees is Jesus. And that's why he says, be of good cheer. Know who, who you are. You are in Christ. And I don't see those things, so get up and walk. I pray that this will be the year that all of us gets up and walks and we realize we're clothed in Christ. But if you are not, I pray that you will make that decision today as we stand and sing.
Thank you. You may be seated. Thank 
please pray with me. Lord, as we have received the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and are forgiven of our past, and are forgiven of our sins, as we look into the new year, let us take this message to people that need it. Lord, let us find the people that are struggling with faith and just bring your message to them in the new year that they may know you. And it's in your precious son's holy name that we pray. Amen.